Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. A playlist original. Just watch me. The medium is the message. The proof is a proof. What kind of proof? It's a proof. It has no core identity. Smashed potatoes are no gravy. You know what I'm saying? Speaking uh, moistly on them. Hello and welcome to Just Watch Me. I'm Kate. And I'm Liv. And today on the podcast, we are joined by our friends, the Minute Women. Hi, Grace and Linnea. Hello. Hi. Can you guys introduce yourselves a little bit and tell the listeners about your show? Uh, Sure. So we're Grace and Linnea. I am the Linnea, and we are the Minute Women podcast, which is a Canadian history comedy podcast, um, kind of with a focus on those iconic Canadian heritage minutes. Yeah, and I'm the Grace of Grace and Linnea. <laughs> and, and yeah, I do like the history research. And then I tell all of these, like the bigger stories behind the Canadian Heritage Minutes to Linnea, who loves the Canadian Heritage Minutes, but doesn't know a whole lot about Canadian history. So <laughs> you can yeah. learn alongside us. <laughs> and if people want uh, to start somewhere, is there a particular episode where you're like, this is going to suck you into our show? We love this episode. Yeah, what's your quintessential Men and Women show? episode i don't personally the first episode is so good yeah the first episode about uh, john a mcdonald you get to yeah. learn all about his drunken escapades and like the murder of his yeah. brother and like all these crazy shit so and then we did for our 50th episode we did uh john a mcdonald 2.0 mm. and so that's kind of a good like kind of base point to start at um the first episode you really get to know us and kind of the format of the show and uh and then if you really love it there is yeah yeah that 2.0 version which is pretty fun <laughs> love that amazing awesome well we're not really going to talk about canadian history today we're not going to be oh sorry that i have to leave sorry i i <laughs> thought guess. i thought every podcast was my podcast <laughs> <laughs> well my point was we're not going to be this is not going to be a very sophisticated episode. <laughs> We're talking. <laughs> How dare you? Um, that's not. That's no shade at all to the person we're talking about, but more, more like the details that I have that I want to talk about today. We're talking about Kim Cattrall. Ooh, okay. a very like sophisticated sex, lady. Yeah, Sex in the City. Kim Cattrall. Is she Canadian? Yes, she is. I did not know this. Yeah, me neither. I She's had no idea. Yeah, she's definitely a Canadian celebrity that people don't know is Canadian. Huh. Mm-hmm. She's distanced but herself. Like... <laughs> from us. Well, sort of. She's in Canada now, too. Yeah. Oh, cool. I feel like on every big, like the most famous shows you can think of, there's always a Canadian. Oh, for sure. Sex yeah. in the City, there's a Canadian. Friends, there's a there's Canadian. There's a Canadian. Yeah. Who's it? Oh, Math Perry. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's always a Canadian hiding amongst the Americans. Yeah. It's very true. funny. Yeah, especially, like, I feel like the comedic relief of a show or, like, a funny show. There's always a Canadian on there. That's actually such a good point. Yeah. It's true. It's true. American comedy is just stealing Canadian comedians. Well, because even on How I Met Your Mother, 
they i don't know if there is a canadian yes but there they, is Col- uh, colby um smolders is she actually she's actually canadian, canadian yeah oh that's i didn't funny. know that i didn't yeah. know that either because in the show that makes sense though because she's in shows like i think she's in not Digstown, but she's in she's in another canadian kind of crime show i know what you mean um, it's like cooper Stumptown. no cooper i don't <laughs> no, know maybe you're right i don't know <laughs> who knows um but oh that's so cool i love her she's so fun yeah, and they're always so see what BC. I mean. They're hiding. They're hiding. They're everywhere. hiding. It's always yeah. British Columbia. Yeah, and Ontario. And Ontario. And Ontario. Yeah. Oh, but- a lot. A lot of them are from Vancouver, though. I feel. I was yeah. gonna say though, Elliot Page, Nova Scotian, from Halifax. Yes. Mm-hmm. We yeah, have Sarah McLaughlin and Elliot Page. <laughs> That's it. Um, I'm trying. I know to think. it's a pretty good roster. Yeah, I'd be happy I mean, with that. it's all right. We can make you it's cry right. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. That's, that's Nova Scotia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess who do I have? Martin Short and Eugene Levy are from Hamilton. That's pretty good. But then you get Dan Levy too. Yeah, by by yeah, Dan Levy is Dan Levy is isn't he kind of American? Well, he I feel like he grew up in LA, no? Oh, I, I don't, don't know. know. If if anyone can claim him, it's Toronto, I think. Yeah. He can be claimed, but he Dan Levy did not grow up in uh yeah. Steeltown. But Eugene <laughs> Levy did. Cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Kim Cattrall. Yes. <laughs> Okay, what do we know? What do we know about her? What do we feel about her? What's what is everyone's relationship, if anything, to Kim Cattrall? Mine is exceptionally minimal. I have never seen Sex in the City, um, but I I think that like she's the one that everyone wants to be in Sex in the City, right? Like I feel like she's the character everyone is like Samantha. That's her name in the show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then she's definitely the most bad. Like she's definitely like she's a baddie. Yeah, she's like, the, like she boss. Just- she just does what she wants. Yeah, and I think she's gorgeous. Um, yeah, she's so beautiful. But I don't know that much about her, so I'm excited. Yeah, I I only know her from Sex and the City. I don't know if I would know her from anywhere else. Um, but yeah, she's she's a fun character on Sex and the City. I mean, like the kind of the protagonist is always. It's like you have the Carrie Bradshaws and the Rory Gilmores. Like they're all slightly, they all have a slightly <laughs> annoying complex that like, that like makes their character. They have to go through some trials and tribulations, and they have to like fall from grace. And and, and I mean, it's the Samanthas of a show that are just like fun, and you get to like see them have like life experiences, but you don't have to see them be absolutely annoying characters that have to grow. There's not a lot of self-doubt. There's not a lot of, like, I fucked up, so maybe I'm a bad person. It's like, yeah, I can't believe the world is happening to me this way. (laughs) Yeah, I can't believe the world would do this to me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would argue, though, and I will argue, and I'm ready to argue, that she does grow. Okay. However, I do agree that uh, Carrie Bradshaw is annoying and I yeah. think that that's the take that I want us all to have and I will okay. convince you of that so have um, you guys watched Sex in the City like did that have like an important place in your like development as, as young women Olivia no absolutely okay. no it didn't <laughs> for sure not I um I have like seen seen episodes but I'm not by any means like a Sex in the City stan um but I've always been familiar with Kim Cattrall because of like just various things that I've like seen her in, um, been aware of her like in the the consciousness, and she's super into theater, which I oh, never cool. I've never seen her in anything, but like always been like aware that she was doing that. If that makes sense. I'm also not a Sex in the City stan, but I have I realize I've seen a lot of episodes. Like mm-hmm. I do, I know I feel like I know the show pretty well. Although I'm sure anyone listening to this who is a stan will hate me for saying that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But I do have a, like I have memories being like too like too young like probably like twelve and thirteen and I feel like I learned a lot of, a lot of things that I like I was just like I just never really should not have been watching it but I remember my friend her parents just always let her watch like rated R movies when she was really young but we were always watching at her house because her parents. I think they thought they were like movie and TV people. So they wanted her to like be sophisticated and watch things that were too old for her. So I do remember watching it when I was quite young, but I haven't really revisited it as an adult. Yeah. I feel like we're kind of young for Sex in the City. Like I feel like our Sex in the City was like girls on HBO. Hmm. Where it's just like a very like female driven sexually explicit show that's about like their dating lives and stuff. 
I also want to talk about the mandala effect of Sex in the City because I, I'm saying it because I always thought and I would have sworn that it was Sex in the City. Oh my God, same. Yeah. Same. But it's Sex and the City. And I yeah. swear to God, like I swear to God, I have seen like advertisements where it's like Sex in the City and then everybody's <laughs> like, no, what are you talking about? And I'm like, this is the mandala effect at work. Like this isn't real. <laughs> I just want it to be like an apostrophe because so then like yeah. you're just like it could be yeah, anything. Yeah, then you could. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I'm so glad that you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. But before we had Sex and City, we had Kim Cattrall being born. Okay. So let's go there. <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> this is what no one pays us for. <laughs> let's start at her conception. <laughs> where and when yeah we usually just say let's start at the very beginning yeah it's because it's because we love place. the sound of it's music. a good place to begin uh, yeah yeah good place to start grace it's a good place to start a it's very a good, good place, place to start. start oh my god <laughs> i'm leaving i'm being bullied <laughs> so kim cattrall was born in 1956 um we won't say her age now <laughs> she's looking like, great figure it out she this is amazing. not a math podcast. Grace and I don't do math, so we'll never know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she does. She looks amazing. Mm. She's born in Liverpool, England. Mm. She, is, I think, when she was three months old, her parents brought her to Courtenay. Courtenay, British I'm Columbia. Sorry, that mm. We're sure about Courtney in British Columbia. It's on. It's on the island. Okay. But oh. it's spelled like it's probably Courtney. I, don't I think know it might be Courtney, she, but I'm not sure. <laughs> She grew up on Vancouver Island. <laughs> okay. So she caught the theater bug from a very young age. And she tells this story about um, when she was 11, she went to go visit her grandma in uh, Liverpool. But uh, she took her down to London and it was like her first um, time that she went to the theater. She said she went to the Haymarket and saw the importance of being earnest and that it really transformed her like relationship with theater into like being, I guess, something a little bit more serious. And she also took um, her Lambda exams, which is like a you know, very posh drama school in, in London. And I think that that's when she there's really exams liked. for drama school. Well, it's kind of like you know, um, conserv. No, it's not. It's not to get into drama school. It's like when you're young, and I don't know if you ever did like conservatory music. Yeah, and you did like piano exams every year. It's like the same thing, but it's with acting. What kind of what's what is the point scale, and what kind of things do you do? Okay, well, I personally never did them. <laughs> you have to okay. be a mime in a box, and then they like <laughs> score you on your that's what I'm asking. Skills. In a box. I'm pretty Absolutely. sure that most. I'm pretty sure to be a buzzkill that it's like a lot of like monologue situations. So yeah. You bring a monologue and they like score it. I mean, it's, if it's anything like Royal Conservatory for music, which I did for a little bit, um, it's, it's like you you have prepared things and then yeah. there are improv things that you have to do when you get there, and then they do like there must be some sort of like small tests of like vocabulary maybe like do you know what this is do you know what that is like i'm not i'm not i'm not sure exactly how you test like um you know sight singing for uh <laughs> acting but um i'm sure there must have been a way <laughs> i imagine it's like i just imagine you go in and it's just like this girl cried relentlessly for half an hour she's amazing like yeah <laughs> you're just like absolutely horrified just like crying <laughs> it's just like yeah it's like this girl's really good <laughs> Olivia, do you think they had to do animal studies? Oh my god, we don't need to talk about that right now. Okay. So you guys don't know this. You guys don't know this about me, but I actually went to drama school in England. And, oh my god. Um, and and part of my first year acting program, my exam for my first year acting program was animal studies. So in my final exam, I had to be like a, a person no. doing like the task and then transform into an animal no um and then transform <laughs> absolutely out. not absolutely not <laughs> and what I mean, was your animal i was a squirrel, was a squirrel. <laughs> and it's, did you and get it's, to pick oh yes um, you because, picked a squirrel well you had to pick an animal that you could observe in the wild oh. however i i bet you picked an ontario squirrel when oh, they're the like big ones. nova scotian raccoons yeah no i was actually <laughs> i'm always <laughs> amazed by by squirrels from ontario oh my god I mean, is this a phenomenon yeah, i've yes. never heard of For this nova scotians it's a phenomenon our squirrels are like this big and they're like little cute they're babies. tiny and little red squirrels and they're just so sweet and you just like want to pick them up and take them home like they're actually really cute yeah. 
And then you go to Ontario and you've got these big <laughs> they're gray huge. fuckers that are like running around. Like, yeah. it's terrifying. It's I did not you, know this. It's funny that you make this distinction because I actually was a red squirrel. Oh. And um, <laughs> because it, it, that's even a longer story. But the first day that I presented it, I did my like little squirrel thing. And yeah. my acting, <laughs> did you like that? I love um, that. Uh, and my acting teacher was like, you, you are a red squirrel. I can tell. <laughs> I was like, I can tell. Sky, the sky's amazing. <laughs> Your acting coach is Professor Trin Lolly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. This uh, okay. Speaking of another Canadian, have you watched the uh, Middle Dish oh. Schwartz series on Netflix? Middle Dish is kind of canceled no. now, apparently. But I yeah, what didn't it. he do something bad? We won't yeah. go into it because uh, Schwartz is amazing and the it's basically they do three shows and each of like each show is completely improvised like it's an hour-long improvised set and one of the like scenarios is like auditioning for snl and it's like it's like this interviewer he's like i want you to pretend to be a gazelle you have two minutes to perform this and so he's just like bonus points for showing what a gazelle eats uh, show, showing what hunts a gazelle. It's just like, it's, so it's just Ben Schwartz being a gazelle on stage, or just like improvising. It's so good. It's so good. That's ten out that of was my real life. So it's yeah. a little triggering to me. Yeah. But, Olivia um, lived it. I literally did. Anyways, moving swiftly on to um, Kim Cattrall. Um, so after, you know, she discovered theater, she decided she wanted to be an actress and she moved to New York and she told this really cute story about how when she arrived in New York, the bells were ringing for the end of the Vietnam War and she called her dad and she was like, the bells are ringing in New York or something like that. And he said, they're ringing for you, honey. Isn't that JK, so it's all the people who died in the Vietnam War, but they're for you, Kim. Yeah, I that's such a dad. That's such a dad. I love that she made the war about herself. I love. No, I love that's such a dad thing. Like, right? I love that. My mom will be like, "Katie, it's a sign." It's like dead serious. <laughs> it's a sign. When she was in New York, she did go to drama school, like some other people on this podcast. <laughs> So what school was it again? It wasn't Juilliard. No. The American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Okay. Ever heard of it? Because no. I haven't. <laughs> A-A-D-A. I'm Ada. guessing Olivia's like, heard of it, though. Oh, it's like ABBA, but not. <laughs> yeah. I think I actually have heard about the A-A-D-A. I feel like that's a thing. She does quite well right out of graduating. She gets a five-picture deal with Otto Preminger, uh, the, the very famous director, Um can you explain briefly, like, what it means to be a contract player, Livia? To I get mean, a five-picture deal? Like, these things – and, like, how rare that is these days? Just well, it's – yeah, it's, like, not a thing anymore. And yeah. so, basically, like, a big studio would, like, give you a contract and say, like, you're going to be uh, an actor for us and we're going to have you audition for certain people and, like – it basically just gives you opportunities. It doesn't necessarily, like, I don't think, like, guarantee that you're going to get cast in anything, but it's, like, a very, very good chance that you will because you're going to get put in front of, like, the best opportunities that you possibly can have, really. Um, and, yeah, be, be like, a guaranteed actor in some ways. For um, Anyway, I didn't explain that well at all, Katie. Is it, no, no, that okay. made sense. No. Is it, like, okay. the studio's way of, like, claiming you, though? Like... You're only going yeah. to audition for our films that we're producing yeah. and you can't yes. just go out and be in any other f- movie. That's right. They okay. have like some exclusivity to you as right. an actor. Um, but so she got her debut film was called Rosebud and it was with the director that that Katie just mentioned. Oh. Do you know this film? I know. It's a, it's like a horror film, right? Is it? Yes. Yeah. And she had the most terrible time. Apparently, it was, like, a super scarring experience, and the, the director was, like, a crazy man, and he would yell at everybody He's, all like, the time. notoriously, yeah. Yeah, I feel like One being a woman in a horror film, especially, is, like, the worst time. 
because like yeah. I just think I always think of like The Shining and like oh the the girl who starred in The Shining and it was just like we're gonna psychologically torture you for the yeah. entire duration of this. Oh well, it's like Carrie too. Yeah, it's like in Carrie. It's like and more pig's blood and more <laughs> and a little bit more and now feel totally degraded at your prom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was a documentary? Like that was actually- <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, it was actually my life. I don't know. <laughs> well, I she said it like really turned her off uh film and TV and she Aww. was like I don't I don't think I want to do it. I think I want to stick with theater where the serious okay. actors are. But but she didn't. So, you know, spoiler alert, she she didn't stick to that. <laughs> Yeah, she did many more movies in the 1980s, such as Ticket to Heaven, Police Academy, City Limits, Mannequin. Has anybody oh, seen Mannequin? Mannequin. Yeah, I, I have not seen it, but I know about this film. Interesting. Do you Weird. know about it because of How Did This Get Made? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I know about it, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big loser. <laughs> What's Has mannequin? anyone seen any of these movies? She's a mannequin that comes to life. Yeah. Oh, of course. Okay. What kind of question is that, Chris? Yeah. Oh. You're right. You're right. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. Yeah. They made a second one as well. That's hilarious. They, they did. There's a mannequin too. Right. Yeah. Love to see it. Two yeah. mannequins come to life. <laughs> well, what's noteworthy of this time when she's like auditioning for pilots and stuff like that, she like does encounter some sexism and apparently she lost a job Uh because this head of CBS saw this pilot and told the director that he didn't get a stiffy from her. And so oh. he wanted her replaced. Excuse me? Yeah. It's um, a little problematic. I'm sorry. Is, um, is, <laughs> is the goal of a man when he sits down to watch any television program to just be like, I better get a hard on during while I'm sitting here just watching this? <laughs> And the worst part is that the director called her and said, it's nothing to do with your acting. It's you the fact. You great. It's that you're ugly. Oh. Even yeah. though, like, it's Kim Cattrall. Like, she's, she's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, she's a babe. And she's like, I yeah. mean, it's funny now because she's such, like, a sex icon, too. Like, yeah. it's hard. You can't disassociate her from sex and the city like, every time i think of kim cattrall i just think of her in a slip dress with a, a very short slip dress with like an overcoat and her hair's all tussled yeah. and she's wearing like nine inch heels like that is kim cattrall <laughs> and she's leaving a guy's forever. house leaving a man's 100%. house i'm picturing her walking down again. yeah walking down <laughs> steps in new york city obviously it's raining i have a whole visual <laughs> I watched a whole video about, like, the slip dress in Sex and the City in preparation for this. And apparently the Sex and the City had a big hand in bringing back slip dresses. I and bringing that. in slip dresses and lingerie as clothes. Mm. I love that. Just cool. a little detour. Okay, well, let's has get any- into it. Has anybody seen any of her, just to maybe put a, whatever, fine put on her film career. I haven't seen any of these movies. The only one other one that I wanted to mention was that she was also in... <laughs> In 2009, a film called The Ghost Writer, mm-hmm. where she worked and praised a post-scandal Roman Polanski, just to to throw that in. So that was something I had to to detour. What? <laughs> Wait, what's the premise of it? Like, she just the fact that she worked with Roman Polanski oh, okay, and, okay. like, I've seen her, like, defend him in interviews and stuff, which I don't think she's probably doing in 2021. Yeah. But right. it can't be all praise of her, so that's my negative piece that I'm throwing in. Yeah, at least That's all it I wasn't. Have. Eug- at least it wasn't eugenics, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was the last time we were, we were talking yeah. about eugenics. But. I listened to our episode of Minute Women on Emily, Emily Murphy to to learn all yeah. about eugenics and the war on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting into Sex in the City. This yes. is this is why we're here. The peak. you know, this is what we're what we're here for. For those who don't know, how can you not? Uh, Kim Cattrall played Samantha Jones in Sex and the City, one of the four leads. She received five Emmy nominations, four Golden Globe nominations, and she won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress in 2002. She also reprised her role as Samantha in Sex and the City, uh, the film, in 2008, and then Sex and the City, uh, the accident second film, which didn't need to be made, in 2010, (laughs) Sex and the City (laughs) 2. But... 
She actually didn't want to take this role when she first got offered it. She apparently turned it down three times Whoa. because she thought she was she was she was forty at the time, and she thought she was too old to play this character. And she well, thought, she said she was too old to play the sexy broad. Yeah, did you oh. hear her say that? No, I didn't hear that specifically. And she also thought that it was kind of like a one note character, and she didn't think that there was enough enough depth for her as a serious actor. Okay, that's so interesting because I feel yeah. like if it were me. Like, if I was an actress, the sexy broad is the character, like, I'd want to play. Because it's, like, not who you are, like, who I am. Like, well, I'd want to play something totally already done different. It a, well, apparently she'd already done it a couple of times. That's fair. In different, like, guest spots and stuff. So she was like, okay, I've kind of done this. i like, not sure I want to stick with it. <laughs> but ultimately, she just loved doing theater so much. And so she thought she took it as a necessary evil to support her love of theater. <laughs> Samantha Jones is a necessary evil. <laughs> yeah, literally. So she was forty when she started. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's she. Lo- Ugh, she looks so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think she's it's like- famously against plastic surgery too. Oh wow! I-, yeah. I think it's like a good way to cast that role because i think like when they do like the sexy character it's always like the sexy bimbo who's like yeah young and like doesn't really know anything isn't very experienced and just like is trying to have fun all the time but like samantha like isn't really that character at all and it makes sense that it would be someone who was like a little older i think a little more experienced a little seasoned yeah (laughs) I think people who know the show at all know that Samantha Jones is kind of synonymous with sex. She's like very open about her sexuality. Um, one of her most famous lines is, I'm a trisexual. I'll try anything once. <laughs> she <laughs> radically rejects monogamy on the show. But in terms of like her concerns of being like the sexy broad, uh, kind of the way this series develops in the first couple seasons, a lot of like what she's doing is played for laughs. Like she really is the comedic relief of the show. I still think throughout the show, she's the funniest on the show mm-hmm. and announce my opinion. Um, but, but she definitely does gain a little more depth as the series develops. And I think probably like the most depth um, in the first movie where I'm going to spoil, but her journey ends with her finding peace, being alone. She's dating this guy. She is living in monogamy. Um, but ultimately she finds that, it's more true to herself to be alone. And I think that's kind of radical because when we have like more sexually promiscuous characters, especially when they're women, they're usually kind of depicted as emotionally stunted or unwilling to connect with people. But what happens to Samantha Jones is that she does find emotional maturity, but she finds that the most authentic way of living as herself is not in monogamy and, and being on her own. And I think we need to celebrate that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that's like the, the Samantha Jones like absolutely does find emotional depth um, in, in resolution in the movie. And then they made the second one, and it's like, why'd you make that movie? Um, <laughs> anybody else have? Moves of Leon. It's just a show that I I love the female lead aspect of it, and I think it would have been really cool for Kim Cattrall and all of them really to be a part of kind of that. Because it's not a bunch of young girls getting together. It's not like the cast of Pretty Little Liars growing up in front of the screen. It's like seasoned actresses who are, you know, they've already had roles before this. They've kind of been in the limelight already. And it it's kind of being able to come together as women. And I really like that. Well, that's a great transition to talk about the relationship between the women on the show. Mm. And um, obviously, famously, there was this – you know, speculated feud between Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall. So we're going to dive right in. Okay. So I think what's interesting is that they seem to keep the feud like fairly under wraps during like the actual um, airing of the show. And it wasn't really until after the show came out. I mean, sorry, after the show ended that it really started to unravel. So... But there was whispers for a really long time. Like, there was whispers during the show, but it was deny, deny, deny. Everybody was denying. SJP was hard denying. Like, they all refused to admit. There was one interview they did where Cynthia Nixon kind of said something like, is it always perfect? Do we always get along? No, but we're professionals, whatever, whatever. That was kind of like the first time that people were like, oh, like, there really is, there's really riffs going on. But in terms of what, like, 
well, we'll get into what happens in 2018, but but it really does ramp up when the show ends. Um, there was a, there there was a rumor, a very particular rumor, which I think is kind of funny during shooting that the other three the the other three women had rented a house in the Hamptons while they were shooting and didn't invite Kim Control. Kim's rep said that well, her husband was supposed to be living there, but then that didn't happen, so that's why she had another house. But like there was lots made about that and all kinds of. Um, these kinds of stories that were ramping up the rumors like they sat at separate tables at the Emmys um, and all this and then around the once the series ended when they were talking about making the first movie the rumors started that um, it was it was stalled because the first movie didn't come out until 2008 which was a few years after the series ended um, but they had wanted to make a movie pretty soon after so it did it was kind of um, stalled for maybe I think two or three years and the rumor was that Kim was demanding as much money as Sarah Jessica Parker, but they weren't giving that to her. Um, and for those who don't know, Sarah Jessica Parker is not only like they're all leads, but Carrie Bradshaw is the narrator. Like she's the lead. And Sarah Jessica Parker also is uh, an executive producer of the show and has been since like season two or three. So she's also uh, producing the show. Which basically but- just means more money. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but this is kind of what held up making the movie and Sarah Jessica did say um, it's so unfair that people are attacking Kim. Of course she brought up money, but that shouldn't, um, but, but that shouldn't like be a reason to attack someone, something like that. So Sarah Jessica did kind of confirm the rumors that it was based on salary. And that was kind of what was holding up the whole thing. Right. Um, but Marie Claire asked Kim Cattrall about the holdup on the first movie, which had been in the works for a while. And she said at the time she was going through a divorce, her father was diagnosed with dementia and she just wanted to be with her family. And when she got the script for the movie a couple years later, she was in a much better place and she was excited to do it. Mm -hmm. So it really does sound, and I really do believe that she definitely had like personal things going on at the time. Well, I also think it's kind of like, we always seem to forget that like these actors are like this is their job and yeah. Yeah. we shouldn't really be treating them in a different way than we treat like lawyers or like other business people or even like the cashier. It's like why why does everyone have to be friends, number one, which we can get into. Like mm-hmm. who's friends with all of their colleagues? And number two, like I mean like close, 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 close friends – And number two, like, if someone who's doing the exact same job as you or that you perceive as doing the exact same job as you is getting paid more, like, why shouldn't you, like, raise a stick about it and and, and demand what's fair? And I want to talk about that because not even raising a stink, but it's okay to ask for, like, your value. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's, talking about salary in the workplace, the taboo needs to leave that. Like, it shouldn't be as, you know, a newsworthy conversation as it is, especially in Hollywood, I feel. It's like, she asked to be paid an equal amount to her other, like, counterpart in the movie. Oh, my God. The nerve. And I think a lot gets made of this, like, executive producer credit because I think like on paper they could have all been getting paid the same as actors but then when Sarah Jessica starts getting that executive producer credit and like to be honest with you like probably doing no extra work for that credit yeah and is getting paid like whatever however much more for that then that becomes like grossly unfair in a lot of respects you know and and just becomes like who had the better agent or who had the better like bargaining position rather than like who's actually deserving of that which I think yeah. was probably super frustrating. I think too because Samantha is the fan favorite, like yeah. the fan favorite character. I how can you blame her for asking for more money? I don't. Well, know. that people also say that that like from both sides they think like oh was Sarah Jessica Parker like jealous because she was like supposed to be like the lead of the show quote unquote but you know samantha was like the most well liked by the fans so did that make her jealous of kim cattrall and then yes equally (sighs) probably why kim was like well i deserve more and also like uh, she said in an interview with jonathan ross in in 2004 that after six years that they they had done the show she felt like they should be able to participate in the financial windfall of sex in the city because it had yeah. been such a big success and that they weren't i guess adequately or she didn't feel like she was ad- adequately being compensated because you know that all the creators are getting like this huge windfall yeah mm-hmm. like who wouldn't be pissed about that 
And in terms of the rumors about the relationships between the women, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker famously said and pointed out how gendered it is that people are like obsessed with knowing if their friends needs them to actually be friends in real life. And Sarah Jessica Parker said, no one's asking this about the Sopranos. Yeah. Yeah. Whether those guys are friends and having lunch together. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's like, it's like what you said, like it, it. There is no expectation in another job that you're supposed to be, like, super good friends with everybody that you work with. And even if, like, that house thing, for example, like, even if it wasn't her husband, she's like, I don't want roommates. Like, why would I sign up to have roommates when I could just have my own mm-hmm. house while yeah, we're shooting yeah. this show? But that is, like, it's like, oh, she's, like, cold-shouldered with all of these other people that she works with. Yeah. Lots of people want to live alone. I always think of that. A Whoopi Goldberg quote. Someone asked her like how she thought about marriage, and her answer was, "I don't want somebody else in my house." Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. like that. <laughs> it's like some people just want to be alone, and I feel like Kim Cattrall, from what I have psychoanalyzed about her from watching hours and hours of interviews with her for preparing for this for this episode, respect, is that respect. she does seem kind of introverted. Like she likes what she likes. Like she doesn't. She can be a bit almost shy. Like she would seem like somebody who would love her own little apartment you know i i think that she she can get that and i think that makes sense for her well also she's a lot older than the girls when she starts right and so i think you know she's married at the time i'm not sure what this situation was with the other women but like it just seems like she's kind of in a different place in her life and probably her maturity level like she always seems to me to be like exceptionally mature so i imagine that when she was 40 she was like probably (laughs) a mature 40 and the girl the other girls like were a a little bit younger and I think it's possible that they just didn't have like a lot in common and just weren't at the same in the same heads in the same mindset and that's okay yeah and that's just (laughs) fine you know (laughs) so yeah I think but I think it's interesting how Sarah Jessica Parker like seems to characterize the fight like throughout throughout like when she's asked about it as like no I love Kim Kim and I are friends she's like family she's the best whereas like all the other women are like yeah like it wasn't perfect but we're professional and we make it work and it just seems to be like a huge disparity in like the like the way that they characterize their answers and I think that it does kind of add fuel to the fire that Sarah Jessica Parker is like, we're best friends. It's like if any, if everyone had just actually been honest from the get go. And I understand like that they want to quash these rumors because they don't want it to be about that. And they, they do talk about that. But at the same time, I'm like, if everyone was just honest, I think actually there would be less made of this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, you can tell like she's someone who got into acting purely because she loved acting it wasn't a celebrity thing so it's a job yeah and so you can maybe you can see in those interviews that she's a little less comfortable suddenly being a celebrity like before she was an actress but i feel like sex in the city made her a celebrity and then other people like sarah jessica parker who are more familiar with that aspect of the job coming out and trying to make it a story almost like it's always good to be in the headlines and like saying like Kim Cattrall is my best friend like yeah even if it's like not really true rumors swirl again controversy stirs when there's talk about making a third sex in the city movie that the fans are just begging for (laughs) and Kim had said like for years (laughs) she was not making a third movie which based on the second movie I as I said, was a probably a wise choice. She was done with the character. She wanted to do other things with her career. She was like, I'm in my 50s now. Like, this is, Samantha Jones has been great and I'm so appreciative, but like, I want to close this chapter and I should be able to do that. People are really critical of her for not wanting to do the movie because, you know, how, like the fan base is kind of like really dying for it. She does a very famous interview with Pierce Morgan, which I have to do my impression of her because I've watched it. I don't know why, but I've watched it so many times (laughs) of what she says. Some of the iconic lines. She goes, we've never been friends. We've been colleagues. And in some ways, that's a very healthy place to be. (laughs) That was very good. But like, that's so that's so if you watch it like that's what she said. Like I worked on this. (laughs) 
That's a very. I just like, love the way she speaks. Mature so statement, yeah. especially to make on a fucking Pierce Morgan interview, who's yeah. an ass hat. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's like yeah, it's like no, she's not my friend, but we're colleagues. Like, I'm not burning her house down. No, like I don't <laughs> wish her dead. No. But <laughs> doesn't she also say though, Sarah Jessica Parker? She could have been nicer. Yeah. <laughs> She did. She threw, listen, she threw plenty of jobs as well. She said, I just think she could have been nicer. Yeah, which I love. Um, I love Super that. Super She probably could have. She probably could have. Oh my God, could've. so passive aggressive. So Canadian. <laughs> so Canadian. Just like, <sighs> I'm not saying she was mean. I just think she could have been nicer. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> I just thought of another one. Sandra Oh on Grey's Anatomy. You are right. There is a Canadian <laughs> hiding amongst every famous television one. series. <laughs> Our American accents are stellar. We can slip I'm in. Blown. <laughs> I have a whole piece about Kim Control's accent also that's Ooh. coming up. Oh, my um, God. I'm excited. <laughs> but she also said, too, that she couldn't really remember the last time that they spoke. She also said they all have children and... I'm 10 years older. I don't see them. Like, yeah, that's which fair. should be fine. Yeah. Should be fine. Yeah. The biggest fire <gasps> comes after Kim actually has some some real tragedy in her life. Uh, her brother was missing. They, they were looking for him. And I think she had she had made posts like asking people for information. He ultimately was was found um, and he had he had killed himself. Um, and this is in 2018. She did an Instagram post about it. Obviously, she was she was really struggling. SJP commented on the post saying, my dearest Kim. Oh, God, I don't know why I don't have it exactly. But it, it was a nice comment thinking of you, something like that. Um, and apparently certain- I did hear that uh, that SJP had also reached out privately. That's to- what her reps are saying. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, okay. it's like if you reached out privately, like why 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 did you need to respond on the Instagram? Because you well, knew it was gonna Kim cause... was the theory why she did yeah. it. Kim was the theory. Yeah. So Kim okay. Control the Kim posted theory. Kim Control posted on Instagram a separate Instagram post of text, which I love. Um that is up to this day. Uh I think I have a link to it in my notes. It's she did not take it down. It's still there. It's still lives. buried in her feed, but it's there. My mom <laughs> asked me today, when will that at Sarah Jessica Parker, that hypocrite, leave you alone? Your continuous reaching out is a painful of a reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this caps very clear, if I haven't already. And brackets you are not my family you are not my friend so i'm ready to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona whoa now don't she's clearly wrong kim control people don't do her dirty so wait if kim texted, she will cut you so that is a text from kim's mom no, this is the Instagram post, but I guess Kim's mom was agreeing that Sarah Jessica needs to leave the family alone. Okay. But clearly this is somebody going through something really, really tragic and difficult. Like, I mean, it's certainly very fiery, but I, you know, I, I really can't blame her, you know, her based on what's happening with her brother. And I do think, I do see the, like the fact that, Sarah Jessica Parker was lying for years and years saying they were friends. I mean, it's we don't know what happened between them, but it sounds like they were never really friends or they had a, a real rift sometime after she kept insisting really herself. The other girls were saying like, yeah, it's not perfect, whatever. Like, but Sarah Jessica was like towing this party line that everything is so hunky dory and she just kind of needed it to be that way. And I kind of think it makes sense, like especially based on her character, like, She's kind of trying to be a Carrie Bradshaw, it seems. Mm-hmm. She was asked about it on uh, Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, and she kind of said nothing. Who's she her best like, friend also. Yeah, oh, of course. So. Very, yes. And she said, of course, it's like when that happens, you know, I, I was devastated and whatever. Kind of plays the victim, but doesn't really say anything critical of Kim either. Like, she's clearly Because she knows that Kim was right. <laughs> Well, we also – we didn't mention this, but a year before her brother died, I believe that her father passed away. And so that particular time in her life, she talks about as being, like, 
quite, you know, quite a difficult, dark period. So I think it's, I think it's unsurprising that we see a response from Kim, like, so kind of, like, coming out against Sarah Jessica Parker in that moment. Because she's, I don't think she's in, like, the best place. And she's probably just so frustrated and just, like, doesn't want to deal with her at this point. Yeah, and I find especially when it's something like that, like, your father passes away and then your brother takes his own life. It's just, like, there's no one for you to blame. Like, there's no one to, like, be mad at. You just have to be, like, angry at the world. And so I think any kind of slight, anything, any annoyance that you probably once had the resiliency to just be like, okay, whatever, is just gone. Yeah. And anything could, like, set you off. And also, um, I think it's funny because on a slightly different note, to be clear, um, that Sarah Jessica Parker, like of the one when they were making this, the Sex and the City movies, someone said, you know, that Kim Cattrall's made all these demands. And she said, you know, I wouldn't have made it without her. I didn't and I wouldn't have. And now here we are with the Sex and the City 3 coming. That's going to happen without Kim Cattrall. (laughs) Oh, it is happening. Oh, yeah. I thought it was uh, going to be a, a series now. Maybe they're talking about yeah, there's going ooh. to be a reboot of some kind. But yeah. yeah. I just and think, no Kim. And no, no Samantha Kim. Jones. Who's going to watch it? Trash. <laughs> Trash. <laughs> well, apparently um, Sarah, what's her name? Rima from Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my God. Anyway. We can just oh, Sarah that. Ramirez. Yeah, thank you. Sarah Ramirez is apparently yeah. coming in to replace the Samantha filled hole. Um, interesting yeah i that's actually very interesting so because sarah ramirez has a very similar background to kim control she has a theater background yeah um that's true she was like the role on her role on Grey's anatomy like um oh shonda rhimes the creative Grey's anatomy like saw her and was like i am going to create a role for you in my show because i need you in my show um, so and cool. created the role of Callie Torres for Sarah Ramirez. And she actually just did a, a children's show called Sophia the First. She was the queen in Sophia the First, um, which is all singing. Because Sarah Ramirez is a very talented singer. Oh my God. She's so. amazing. That's interesting. That's an interesting. So what was her character like on Grey's? Is it similar to like a Samantha Jones style character? Like... She uh, she's younger. She's definitely quite a bit younger. Um Yeah. She's also I, I, a lesbian on the show. Yeah. Bisexual. Yeah, bisexual on the show, yeah. yeah. And a lesbian in real life. I'm not sure how she I identifies. Don't know. I don't I'm not sure how she identifies. Definitely I queer. I want to give definitely. her any labels. That's a great yeah. way to put it because I don't want to yeah. give her any labels that she, she is, doesn't want. <laughs> no, she's part of the queer community. Um but uh yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Okay, can I tell you my favorite part about this feud? Yeah. So Mr. Big, apparently, when he was yeah. asked by TMZ about... <laughs> Mr. Big, the man? What's the actor <laughs> called? Chris Oh, uh, I don't know how to say those uh, names. Yeah, he's he also in the Unabomber doc, the show that came out a while ago. Uh, yeah, he's, he's also, also on The Good Wife. He's on The Good Wife. He's, he's, he's the bad husband on The Good Wife. Bad, bad man. <laughs> he's also in that Hilary Duff movie. Oh yeah, yes. the perfect man. Oh my God. Okay, we need to figure out what his name anyway, is. What's his name? It's it's Chris Noth. Mr. Big. It's, I just don't know how to say it. I He's just Mr. Big is fine. Um, yeah, I just don't know. How, I don't feel confident saying his name. Chris Noth, I think. Noth. Noth. Chris Noth. I feel good about that. Mr. Big um, is also an American band, as I'm just finding out. Cool. Oh. And, and a chocolate bar. <laughs> and a so, chocolate bar. <laughs> So TMZ asked him how his character would respond to the feud between the two women. And apparently he just rolled up his window on the car. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that is a vibe. Yeah. That's really funny. What did you say? Excuse me, I can't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how Mr. Big would have responded? Maybe he was just like authentically answering the question. 100%. Like, 100%. <laughs> he was just like in character in that moment. Well, I, I watched the first episode and he keeps like pulling up to carry in a car and like saying something and then just putting the window up and just driving <laughs> away. So I just good. watched that, a scene, a couple scenes like that in I think episode one or two last night. So good. So that, so, makes, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> are we ready to move okay. on from Sex and the City now? 
Yes. Sure. I guess so. So she is also an author. Oh. She hasn't given us a tell-all memoir, but I really hope she does. I mm. think maybe she will. I wonder if she's waiting. Um, and then she's written three books, Being a Girl, Sexual Intelligence, and a book called Satisfaction, The Art of the Female Orgasm. The only oh. one I want to talk about is Satisfaction, of Excellent. course. So <laughs> I think are these like self-help books? Like, what's the genre of these books? I think that they, they both are. Like, I haven't, I honestly haven't read them. But Being a Girl is, I think, kind of a love letter to her female fans. The message is ultimately one of self-esteem and, and finding yourself. Um, the book does let you in a little bit on her experience as a teenager. She talks about being a bit of a shy kid and, and finding finding herself and her self-esteem. And, and that's kind of what that one's about. Mm-hmm. Satisfaction, the art of the female orgasm. Um, I'm not really mature enough to talk about, but well, we have no she... idea what that book's about. <laughs> Total mystery. <laughs> Did you say you're not mature enough to talk about it? No, I'm not. Oh. But <laughs> she wrote this with her then husband, Mark Levinson, who is an audio designer and jazz bassist. <laughs> I love a bass player. <laughs> that Most that, underrated instrument. That is the kind of person who writes a book. This is the kind of man who writes a book about the female orgasm. Kind of man. <laughs> Absolutely. So they wrote this together, to be fair. And I do think it's really interesting that she's always like, people expect me to be Samantha Jones. I'm not Samantha Jones. But she does stuff like this. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems like you're kind of like Samantha Jones. <laughs> Completely agree. But I think, but it makes sense that like the fans would love a book like this from her. I'm sure the publisher was like so in for it. But Mark Levinson's piece of it is interesting to me. He goes, there are millions of American women out there who do not have a satisfying sexual life. And we want to help them. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for Mark. your contribution. <laughs> the hero I didn't know I needed. Slow clap Thanks, Mark. for Mark Levinson. <laughs> what a guy. That's so <sighs> the book is also like it's instructional um, for female. And I think they're mostly if I had a critique, probably it's mostly directed at male partners. Um, it's not really just about female orgasms, I think. Um, but it's complete with like very detailed illustrations. Um interestingly i think it's a good time to maybe put a little put a little final point on this marriage which ended in 2004 kim said their mar- her marriage to mark ended in 2004 after he became obsessed with the physical side of the relationship yeah no shit he wrote a whole book about it <laughs> oh dear <laughs> so <laughs> moving on from that <laughs> Olivia says nothing the whole time. She's like, Katie, I wish you weren't talking with the sex book. <laughs> Louise is not going to be. had Louise several and, notes to have this Louise part removed. Yeah, Who's Louise and Kim Louise? are not going to be. My mom Her and mom. Katie's mom is Kim. Oh. Not Kim Cattrall. Oh. And, um, I was just going to say, whoa, plot twist. No, no. They're going to be like, <laughs> ladies, ladies. Um, it was just a bit too much. What did she say? She said that was a bit. That was a lot for me. Or yeah. your, mo- your mom said there were a lot of swears on this one, Olivia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my parents. Yeah. My parents are like Ugh. my stepdad. Just is like, I don't know why you need to swear. And yep. Grace's dad is all like, "Fuck, that was hilarious." <laughs> <laughs> my dad is totally cool with it. I think my mom uh, wishes we didn't swear quite so much. Um, yeah. Listen, but that's okay. <laughs> they can have a podcasting club for moms. Yeah. yeah. And podcast moms, a podcast about moms who have kids who podcast and they don't really get it. (laughs) They don't get why they do it. I think that's amazing. I think you should sell that. We'll get all our moms on it. (laughs) A round table. So I I really wanted to talk about. Okay, so go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. What do you want to talk about? She has. I want to talk about her accent. Okay. Okay. And this is. Oh my god! I just know where this is going, and I'm ready for it. I think, well, my my favorite thing is when people have accents that don't make sense from based on where they're from. <laughs> maybe it maybe it does. But she does sound does mid Atlantic to you. Yeah, like okay, it, so, it makes her accent to me makes perfect sense from where she's from. But do you believe that it's like real? No, but that's does like, she do like <laughs> a fake British accent kind of thing? Or real no, British she accent? slips into mid Atlantic like uh, sometime. She's very like. 
you know, and then I said, I'm a trisexual. Like, she's, like, very, I it's don't know. The it's the theater. It's stagey. the theater. I, I just yeah. think, like, this is, I feel comfortable with it because this was literally me in drama school because I wasn't, like, quite so as refined as she is, obviously. But it was, like, it was, it's hard because I obviously have a Canadian accent. But then when you're surrounded by British people all day and you have, like, are you, if you're a little bit of a parrot, as I am, you start to slip into their accent just because you're hearing it so much. It's like, that's how accents work, you know? Like, yeah. so I, I just like, I don't blame her for having a kind of a transatlantic accent because it seems throughout her whole life. I mean, she obviously is, has British like ancestry, but through her whole life, she spends a portion of time in the States. She spends a portion of life time in Canada. She spends a portion of time in London. Like she, it's not like, she's just making this up from nowhere. Yeah. That's what I'll say about that, Katie. (laughs) Okay, I guess I'm a bitch. But uh, I did type. I noticed this myself, I want to say. Okay. And I typed Kim Cattrall into Google. Like, I mean, just Google Kim Cattrall. I'm always interested, like, what are the first hits, you know? And in the Google section, which says um, people also ask, you know what the first question is? What is Kim Cattrall's accent? accent? Does Kim Cattrall have a British accent? Because she slips in and out and it doesn't always make sense. Okay, but I mean, I, I when just, I, I don't get think it's drunk, so I speak with a <laughs> yeah. Cape Breton accent. So Real, it's true, she does. Speaking as another person who has, you know, lived in so many different places and has been exposed to so many different languages uh, and, and way they, ways they are spoken. <laughs> From Cape Breton to Halifax, <laughs> you know that five-hour so drive. So many different places. Um, yeah, I've, I'm also a sophisticated lady. Um, yeah, I mean, I can get like slipping in and out of accents especially depending on your crowd like who you're with like if you're with i could see her especially if she was doing an interview like in england or something like slipping into that accent especially but does she do it like in the show like she'll be talking and like slip into the or is it just like interviews and stuff she's pretty mid-atlantic all through the show Mm, like she's got that very theatery drawly like uh, da, 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 voice. she's also <laughs> acting in the show so whatever she choice yes. she makes is you know reasonable okay yeah. it's that the actor's a- choice but <laughs> olivia are you having like mid-atlantic accents being taught in drama school in the 80s yeah sure uh, yeah i buy that you are yeah okay Okay, well, we have to cut this whole section because I just look super petty. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> well, I've okay, heard, I I've love heard being British, petty. I've heard don't, British don't uh, shame. Uh, actors are taught generalized American to yeah. get into, like, American roles. And it's, like, it's an accent that you would never actually hear anywhere in America specifically. Yeah. But to British people and British <laughs> television, it sounds American. So it's, it's yeah. like, you can't even teach you, like, an American accent. You have to make up a generalized American accent so British people know that you're American. <laughs> yeah, and then you hear Emma Watson and the perks of being a wallflower, and you're like, Jesus Christ, what is that? <laughs> Oh, is that what they sound like in Pittsburgh? No, it's not. <laughs> this girl is clearly a Steelers fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's amazing. So after she leaves Sex in the City, she um, says that she does – I mean, she's like in her 50s. She doesn't feel like the scripts that are she's getting in Hollywood are reflective of the kind of roles that she wants to play. And she feels like the better roles for women of her age are actually in theater – and so okay. I think that she, she does a, t- a ton of theater, especially in London. And um, she uh, seems – that seems to be like the impetus for her starting her own um, – or starting producing shows. And okay. in 2014, she produces and stars in an H- in HBO Canada's Sensitive Skin. And okay. she says that she wanted to create this role because – as she was getting older, she felt like she was having to choose between playing like very older women and she didn't feel like that was where she was at. She wasn't ready to like embrace um, being like an old woman. She wanted to get – tell a story about a middle-aged woman who was dealing with the aging process. And so I think right. it's been really interesting how she's like shone a light on ageism in Hollywood and, and the problems that – women who are you know 40 maybe to 60 are probably even 70 are facing in not having like their them like 
have the opportunity to tell their story about where they're at in their life right now. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah. I wonder how much of that, like obviously there's some misogyny in there because like men have 100%. always been able to explore that kind of like middle age part of their life in film and television and in theater. But I also wonder how much of that is reflective of how like science has created kind of this new era of our lives. Like you don't go from being an adult to like a grandmother anymore. You have there's like a lot of people have there's this like new phase of our life, which is like an older adult, but not a senior person. Yeah. So the television roles and especially like theater, because you're going to be still producing and and putting on plays that were written 100 years ago. Um, Like, I wonder if that's partly partly responsible for the fact that there aren't those kinds of roles for women. Um in theatrical performances we have a funny story about her connection to the canadian prime minister oh the current, the current canadian oh JT. Senior. well no sort of. yeah. well in a sense oh so we'll wait. take a... sorry do you know this <laughs> so when you told me this was the topic i googled kim cattrall and that was the one thing i saw but i totally forgot about it until now we're taking a brief Canadian detour, <laughs> which has been a mostly Hollywood episode. Um, Kim Cattrall had a brief relationship with Mr. Pierre Elliott Trudeau. No, no, <laughs> no. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. In 1981, he was 61. She was 24. Oh. In true Pierre fashion. And uh, it Ew. was a couple years ago. Um, Ew. In an in a sixty minutes uh, piece, they were t- which was I think it was about Justin Trudeau. They were they showed a picture of his mother, <laughs> and it was a picture of Kim Cattrall oh, no. <laughs> and Pierre Trudeau. Yeah, or a picture of his parents. Um, and Kim seemed to love it. She she tweeted, "I have a son who is the Prime Minister of Canada. I couldn't be more proud." Kim also doesn't have any kids. Yeah. So. Oh my god, I love that. That's so funny. Uh, they met in the opening of her film *Tribute*, where she co-starred with Jack Lemmon. They hit it off, and I think started dating from then. And it was a brief it was a brief affair. Uh, she gave a quote. Yeah, because he probably uh, to died. He was 61. Yeah. She was 24. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was quite an age difference between him and Margaret, Margaret as well. Like, yeah. Quite significant. So that's kind of on brand for him. But she <laughs> gave a quote brand. to McLean's. Well, <laughs> she gave a quote to McLean's saying, which sound, this sounds so Samantha for 1981, too. <laughs> I asked myself, how do you go about getting a date with the prime minister? And then I just decided to call him up and ask for one. Oh. <laughs> This is like so pre Samantha too, like to have the confidence. I know she's been in all these films, but like to have the confidence to call it the sixty-year-old prime minister of Canada is something else. She also said of Pierre, he's certainly a dream of a date, very charming, kind, and a total gentleman. So he was prime minister at the time, as well, or was he like a former prime minister at that point? No, he's prime minister. Yeah. What he had lots. Of, he dated lots of famous women. He had. I don't know if he like dated dated but he was definitely seeing Barbra Streisand as well it's rumors I, that he was I seeing Jane Fonda yeah he loved a celebrity that, yeah. Pierre loved a celebrity girlfriend that's so strange he's like such an anomaly for a prime minister in Canada yeah. like I feel like that's kind of like he's very much our like our Kennedy but yeah like also just totally accepting the role of I am also a celebrity by the way <laughs> yeah yeah loves loves the spotlight yeah where is she now? She has become an American citizen. She, apparently she voted in the 2020 election. But her. she's been living in Canada for most of COVID based on her Insta. She looks to be living on the island. She posted nice. a, photo, a video of some orcas the other day. Oh. Uh, so she, even though, you know, she's someone who's been living in the States for a long time, she does come home to Canada and she's in Canada right now. I think she's been, I think she's been in Canada for most of quarantine. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So I have this great quote that I think we should end it off with. Okay. Kim Cattrall said, I don't want to be in a situation for even an hour where I'm not enjoying myself. And that's just like, <laughs> what a what a vibe. What a vibe. That is what, a vibe. What a an boss. unrealistic re- expectation of life, but yes. also a vibe. 
Listen, when you're but definitely the confidence that I want to have. (laughs) When you have the confidence to ask the prime minister out at 24, nonetheless. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is her life. She's cool. She's a boss. I like her. Yeah. I I know she says that she's not like Samantha Jones, but she like definitely gives off the confidence. I think think Samantha Jones is like Kim Cattrall. Ooh, I like that. That's a good point. That was great. (laughs) Good for you. Thanks. (laughs) Round of applause. Round of applause. Good job. Uh, So are we are we gonna get like tagged in Instagram posts, Liv, with Kim Cattrall, and are we gonna be famous now? I hope so. Is she gonna know us? She gonna acknowledge us? I hope she listens. (gasps) I'll tweet at her. Tweet at her. Right at at her. her. (laughs) Yeah, we'll at her. So Grace and Linnea, thanks so much for joining us. Tell everyone when they can find your podcast, where they can find your social media. How can how can we keep up with you? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Minute Women Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at The Minute Women. You can also find us on our website, which is www.minutewomenpodcast.ca. And on that website has all of the links to our episodes and all of the sources that Grace uses uh, to research every episode, as well as some extra information about us and the link to our merchandise store at Tee Public. Yeah. Or you can just if you Google Minute Women, uh, you will find a small kind of tangent about the Minute Men in the American Revolutionary War and how there were Minute Women. Um, but then you will find us. So yeah, we're right under that. <laughs> we're, we're like the second thing like the that second pops thing. up on Google. <laughs> if you want to keep up with us in between episodes, you can follow us at Just Watch Me Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Send us your thoughts and feelings about the show at justwatchmepodcast at gmail.com. And it really helps us if you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. See you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.